Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Lion's Guide podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring the stories and lessons learned of our high-performing guests. We interview experts on various topic areas and review books and other resources that help us establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Wallace, founder of Lion's Guide and your certified high-performance coach. And on today's episode, we've got Seth Studley, and (laughs) Seth's an all-around awesome dude. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist and author speaker, helper, and high-performance marriage coach. Uh, him and his wife, Melanie, who is actually an audio engineer, you know, they came together and they turned their mess into a message by creating the podcast that they wish they could have had when they were going through some of the toughest and hardest years of their marriage. Uh, they live just outside of Seattle, Washington with their three amazing kids and are changing the world one relationship at a time with their podcast, which is called The Anatomy of Marriage. So in this episode, Seth and I jump into all kinds of the truths about what makes a marriage or otherwise relationship successful based on all of his personal and professional experience over the last number of years and doing everything that he's doing, uh, helping people with marriages, um, professionally through his podcast and so on. So, uh, this guy's amazing. Uh, I, I, I love this episode, this conversation with Seth. So it, it was a great time. We go deep into the stuff. It's real and raw. And if, if you're married or in a relationship have been, or want to be, you're going to love this episode. So if you like the sound of that, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content that we've got coming at you. You know, And as always, this spot, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in and getting value from the show, you know, you'll love what we're doing over there on, at, at my company, Lions Guide. So please support the podcast by going to lionsguide.com and subscribing to our email list. Maybe become a member of our community uh, or even sign up for some high-performance coaching. You know, if you're have a lot of demands on you or you're feeling stuck or in a rut or, you know, heaven forbid, you're ready to quit, you know, and or you've just got a lot of demands on you and you're just trying to figure out how you can be better and and meet all your responsibilities or really meet the potential that you know you've got and you could use some help in that, you know, that's what I'm here for, you know, so check it out, um, you know, apply for some coaching or any other resources that I've got there for you. Um, and again, I'd love to serve you as your high performance coach in that regard. So aside from our services, we've got some cool Lions Guide gear out there so you can show your support for the podcast, show off your pride of living a life of courage, clarity, and leadership. So with all that said, let's jump into this show. Today on the Lions Guy podcast, we're going to be talking about high performance relationships, mainly marriage. And, you know, where I come from, you hear their sayings like I heard a lot of times growing up, you know, happy wife, happy life. You know, oh, yeah. I heard a lot of times if uh, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> so yep. it, and, and I think in a world of performance, uh, you know, the reality is, you know, uh, there's a lot of effects if there's an unhappy home, you know, relationship and so, so on. So today I've got Seth Studley on, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And Seth, welcome to the show. And uh, tell us about yourself, where you come from, what do you do? Yeah. Hey, Dale. Thanks, man. Thanks for so much for having me on. Uh, I like what you do. You're, we're, we're in the same category of like, okay, we want to get our stuff together and just do good in all areas, right? And one area that we really focus on 
is marriage. Because like you said, you know, mom ain't happy. Nobody's happy. Happy wife, happy life. We get these messages from growing up and stuff. But then it's like, wait a minute, marriage, this whole marriage thing and having kids and building a family and a home is different than what I thought, right? And sometimes a lot of our clients get stuck and we're here to guide people through that, to give them real practical advice and really lead from vulnerability because me and Melanie had a shitty marriage and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, right? Oh, you're supposed to have it all together, all this stuff. And we didn't. So we share that whole story on our podcast and then help other couples get to where they know that they can be, but they just don't have the tools yet. Uh, to to get there. So that's what we do. Um, I'm from South Carolina originally, moved to Seattle when I was, I don't know, early 20s to go to graduate school and be in a band. We got a record deal toward the US and stuff. And then finally went to graduate school. I got married. It'll be 17 years coming up in August. And we got three kids and we do the podcast and high performance marriage coaching full time now. And it's a blast, man. Loving every second of it. That's awesome. It's 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 great to serve, right? Like kind of playing this coaching role and stuff like that. It's like, it's to me, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like very fulfilling, you know, getting in Mm -hmm. there, helping people kind of get gains. You know, my things are uh, gain clarity, have courage and lead, you know, really get, and I try to instill those things and kind of seeing people kind of blossom just for, for those things, you know, like, especially getting clarity, like airing the stuff out, actually putting some thought into things. And I can see today, man, it just seems like, there's so much, I don't know, a challenge with relationships. I mean, and it, it and look, it's and we're going to focus on marriage, but it's it's holistically we're all challenged with like the effects of social media and it, all these things. So so we're all challenged in in many ways today for weird reasons, like mental health wise. It seems like and we're just up yeah. against a freaking tsunami of, of sorts uh, of the making from technology in in a way. Um, with all the good that we've gotten from it, right? That that it's right. amplified these mental health these challenges. I think with seeing the suicide rates up, you know, maybe you can answer if divorce rates were up over the last ten years, fifteen years, yeah. or whatever. But um, man, it's 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 something to talk about, you know, to to get in and like be real about what yeah. what it takes to make a marriage work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. One one of the things that I, I like to say is uh, awareness is curative, right? So really, what you're talking about is being aware. That we have all these, I don't know, we can we can call them issues or hardships or whatnot, but sometimes we're so just checked out and we're just like, okay, go nine to five, do this, you know, wake up at this time, eat dinner this time, blah, 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 have this same old conversation with my wife or, or my husband or whatever, and we just go and go and go on a treadmill and we're not, we're, we're not even aware, right? We know how like bad we feel about it. Like, I'm not content. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. What? I'm overeating. I'm drinking too much. I'm neglecting things that I used to care about. And when I say awareness is curative, I like this analogy. So we're out here in the Northwest now outside of Seattle and I go hunting and hiking and stuff. And I would much rather know if I'm on that trail, if a bear is around that tree, right? If I'm aware, then I can react appropriately, right? I'll, I'll go the other way. I'll make some noise. I'll scare him off. I'll get a gun or whatever. But if I don't know that it's there, what am I going to do? It's going to walk up on it and be, you know, something something bad might happen, right? So being aware of the situation, awareness is curative, right? So when couples, and we're talking about marriage right now, when couples are aware, like, oh, wait a minute, my family of origin impacts how I'm showing up as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a dad, when we're aware of that, then we can begin to make a change about it and listen to podcasts or go to therapy or do coaching or uh, other resources, read a book, 
So first of all, we have to be open and remember awareness is curative. And that's where one of the things that we, we walk through our clients, that's the starting point of, of change, um, not only in marriage and relationships, but usually anything like, oh shit, I'm 50 pounds overweight. I, I'm now aware of that. Let me do something to uh, affect that in a way that I want it to be affected. Go to the gym, start eating healthy, get some research uh, and education around it. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. I mean, and it's like paying, it's like being present and, you know, because there's this thing called, you know, willful blindness too, right? There's, there's stuff going on, but you're like staying willfully blind to them. You're like, you don't want to face them. So that's, you know, so gaining awareness in a perspective, like you're, you're acknowledging, you know, what's going on, right? I mean, that's, that's really, really powerful stuff. I think, um, what, what's been your experience with, with folks like tackling, conflict in their marriage like do you do you see people like avoiding things you know what what's typical yeah yeah so there's this this dynamic in in therapy and we call it the in every single body every single person in a relationship has played both these roles right and we call it the pursuer and distancer right now think of a time where you got an argument with your wife or something and you're like no we got to figure this out you know we we we, this has been an issue and you're going to push in. And sometimes we think usually guys are the pursuer, like, okay, if I just, just keep on chasing this, you know, more, she's going to realize maybe she was wrong or like, Oh, okay, this makes sense. But what that does is makes her or him distance themselves. So this dynamic of pursuer distancer, you really have to be aware of like, okay, what I'm doing right now is not helpful. And if you don't realize that that's usually when we have the 2am fights, you know, that just drag on forever about the same old thing. Um, so managing conflict in a relationship, first you have to be aware of, am I the pursuer or the distancer right now? Am I just totally conflict avoidant? Do I hate conflict? Then you might be the distancer where stuff doesn't get done. You might be driving your partner crazy because they want to resolve a real issue, right? Or you might find yourself being the pursuer where you're just badgering, badgering, come on, we got to do this. But what you're doing is pushing him or her away and saying, hey, this is too much. You know, it's like, Give me a chance to breathe a minute, man. Right. And uh, when so typically when on our show, we really lead with vulnerability. So I'll probably use a bunch of examples from our own marriage and life. So I'm pretty much conflict avoidant. Right. Do what I need to do to keep the peace or whatever. And then later I just bottle up and then it kind of blows up, you know, and Melanie's like, where did that come from? You didn't say anything. And she is not conflict avoidant. Oftentimes she's the pursuer. It's like, hey, let's get this done. I'm like woman, give me some <laughs> breathing room kind of thing. Um, so I had to find out, okay, why am I doing that? Why am I conflict avoidant? And just because I'm uncomfortable doesn't mean it's bad or unhealthy. In fact, I need to lean into that, right? So first assess if you're super conflict avoidant or like conflict pursuance, because there's both, there's both, there's extremes to both of those, right? And one thing with uh, conflict resolution that we really like to use is called uh, it's a tool called the clearing structure and we can do some links in the show notes and stuff like that but it's called the clearing structure and what it does is it takes an issue and says uh, it uses i statements it's not like you always do this or you know you never xyz because then we're just in the blame game we're not owning our stuff right so one of the keys to a healthy relationship is owning your stuff completely owning your stuff so the clearing structure uses i statements like Hey, when you did this thing, I felt, notice I didn't say you made me feel because people can't make us feel things, right? We think they can, right. but they can't. Right. When you did this thing, I felt hurt, neglected, sad, kind of pissed or whatever. 
what I wanted from that is for us to talk about it in a different way. And it literally goes through six steps for conflict resolution. And me and Melanie use that all the time, in fact, because it's just a tool that gets through all the BS and says, hey, here's the real thing. I need to call it out because I want a good relationship with you. I know if I don't call this out, then we're not going to go closer, you know, emotionally, you know, physically, spiritually, all this stuff. Uh, so I'm going to do this tool to, in 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 an attempt to help us resolve this conflict and deepen our relationship, right? The clearing structure. So that's one thing that we use. Um, another thing, I don't know, going back to the, the awareness is curative thing, like we always have to be willing to assess what we can... Uh, what we contributed to our current situation, right, good yeah. or bad. You know what I'm saying? Um, yep, there's this sure. one, th- this one quote that says, um, you know, your life, I mean, we could say it right now here, like your life, Dale, my life is a sum of all the, re- all the choices that we made up until now, good and bad. Butter. Right. Yep. You know, maybe I'd have, you know, another half a million in the bank. If I would have done something two and a half years ago that required more discipline or focus or, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, couples have to really own like, oh, man, things are bad because of, yeah, our situation. But how did I contribute to the situation? Because when we play the blame game, we just go in circular patterns that just don't work at all. Yeah. I mean, and, and you, I don't think you're going to read anything that's uh, forward leaning, personal growth, what business, whatever, that doesn't start with taking responsibility, you know, like taking mm-hmm. responsibility for you, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's going to be at the root of all good things to come like for you and your, yeah. your future and, and growth and things like that, especially, especially something like a mirror. It's like you, you, you can't control anyone else, right? You got to own what your reactions are, the words coming out of your mouth, what you're contributing, mm-hmm. uh, the integrity of your effort even, right? Like, you know, are you really given everything that you could be given, to the marriage or, or partnership or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have all kinds of books. Yeah. We, we are big on the ownership and responsibility, you know, Jocko, like discipline equals freedom, extreme ownership, stuff like that. It's really funny because I read extreme ownership a couple of years ago. I was like, Hey, let me check this book out. And it's all like Navy seal stuff, you know, army, everything. And it's really amazing hearing what she says about it. She's like, yeah, it's all like Navy seal dudes and like, you know, guns and all this stuff. But she loved that book. And typically she's not into that kind of thing, you know. Um, but she was like, oh, my gosh, this is so relevant to the marriage game, to the relationship game, that when we own our stuff in that way, boom, stuff changes exponentially, which is totally awesome. Yeah, it's um another, you know, just throw the name drop things out there. So for that, like um, that, that book is what extreme ownership, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jocko's first book, extreme ownership, great book. Um, that, which gets into that. It's, it is all about personal responsibility. Um, uh, Jocko's work, uh, mine, Jordan Peterson, you know, his book brings, books bring a lot of clarity, but even, um, him, he talks about that nihilism attitude of, you know, if you think it's everything else, right. That it's, it's, it's the world is against you. Mm -hmm. That's like the worst place you could ever be mentally because you, there's literally nothing. If that's your if that's your take on life, like you're the you're the victim here. You've done no wrong. The world, the universe is out to punish you. Yeah, you're never going to solve anything because you you don't think you can. You're not taking any responsibility for your situation, where you are, whatever that challenge or hardship right. is. You know, right? And it, that that attitude, basically a, a victim mentality, that is so disempowering. If you're like, yeah, everything's against me, 
uh, you know, that saying, you know, situations, uh, if we can look at situations or issues, you know, they happen for us, not to us kind of thing. Then what do we do there? We flip the power dynamic like, oh, I have control over this. It might be hard as hell because I have a deep hole to dig myself out of, but I do have control. I do have ownership. And I'll tell you, our marriage didn't change until both of us realized that. Sure. Yeah. Because we were both saying, oh, well, you always do this and you make me feel this way and I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Oh, I'm going to point my finger at you kind of thing. But just a, it was a, a real moment about eight or nine years ago. We're like, oh, wait a minute. What are we doing to contribute to this? You know, sure. our, both our misery. What are we doing? And until that happened, um, it was just it was not a good situation. But after that happened, we began this journey of like, oh, wait a minute. We can do this. We are doing this. Let's keep this going, which is really amazing. And we actually get to walk up, walk with couples as they discover that for themselves too. And it's yeah, pretty amazing. That's thing. awesome. That is awesome. The, um, so let's, let's set the stage a little bit more for you. Like, so what got, what got you into this, you know, doing what you do today? How, how, how'd you get to this, this role? Yeah. So right now, currently uh, we're full-time podcast. We have three podcasts, anatomy of marriage, anatomy of sex and anatomy of family. Right. And like I said, we lead with vulnerability and get other expert stories and bring them in as well. And now we also do high performance marriage coaching full time. I still do some mental health consulting on the side a little bit with a different agency that I work with. But the reason that we started this whole podcast, Anatomy of Marriage and all the little affiliate things, is because me and Melanie, like I said a minute ago, we did not have a good marriage. We were talking a little pre-show stuff about, yeah, you know, people on Facebook, they're putting out their best, you know, and then you hear two, three, four weeks later, they're like, what? They're getting a divorce. What? What's going on, right? And we weren't that forward-facing at the time. We are now. But I was a marriage and family therapist, and things at home were just no good. My wife and when you say, gave me – What do you mean by forward? When you say you, you aren't forward-facing, you're saying you, you weren't – you're hiding that there's issues? Like you were keeping it well, concealed? Not, or? Not, not so much hiding. We, we weren't as like out there on social media. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah. As we are now a couple years ago, right? So like forward facing stuff, it was still the same, but we weren't like trying to hide anything, but we're just sure. like, wait, something has to be different. Um, and it came to a head a while back when Melanie literally, literally gave me a black eye, right? And that's the whole story. It was like, okay, domestic violence is not cool and we're not making fun of that, obviously, but we can look back and go, hey, that really changed a lot for the better in our marriage, right? It didn't happen to us. It happened uh, for us, right? Literally gave me a black eye. And when you're a dude... And you're sporting around a black eye of, you know, and you didn't, you don't have a cool story behind it. Like, yeah, this dude at a bar and stuff like this, or I had to fight off something. Uh, when your wife gives you a black eye, it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. And you say, oh shit, how in the world did I get here? Right? So that was my moment. And I was a marriage and family therapist too. So we took that experience and said, okay, we really kicked our own asses, worked really hard. We have to share this stuff. So then we've just been documenting the whole process. And I think the first episode released like four years ago. So, And so we said, you know what? We made it through. Let's help people. You know, earlier you said, you know, being a coach and like actually giving back and helping other people really feels good. It's like that Zig Ziglar quote, you know, help enough people get what they want and you get what you want. Right. Sure. And yeah. one of the things that I like to say for what we do at Anatomy Marriage is we want for your marriage what we want for our marriage. So what is that? Great relationships, emotional intimacy, 
physical intimacy, spiritual intimacy. You guys both firing on all cylinders all the time and just loving life and loving each other. We want for your, we want that for your relationship because that's what we want for our relationship, right? So um, we knew that we just had to give back and dive in and lead with vulnerability. And since then, we found that people have been really responsive to that. Like, oh, you're the first one talking about this stuff. I didn't know other people do this too. And you're like, yeah, let's talk about it. And then the growth that happens after that and the momentum that we see couples gaining. And it's just so rewarding and so awesome. I mean, we do speaking events too. And just like one of my, you know, um, athletes talk about flow state, you know, we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, time stopped. And I'm just, you know, in the zone or zone of genius kind of thing. When we, when Melanie and I are actually creating content together um, in any capacity, uh, we do speaking engagements and when we're, all, we're on stage together, like I look over at her and she's doing, she's at the top of her game, right? And then I'm just like, it's such a flow state. It's like we're not even on stage. It's just a different world. And that is so awesome. Not only because it feels good to us, but we know that we're making a difference and helping too. And I'll tell you, it, it feels really good um, doing what you were meant to do, which is pretty awesome. So I know yeah, that was a, a long <laughs> circular way to answer like, oh, why do you do what you do? But that that is definitely part of it for us. Yeah. So can't help but dig into the story. So what, what happened? Like what was, what was, it sounds like a major tipping point, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're walking around with a black eye, your wife gave it to you. Like what the hell yeah. happened? So, okay. Um, this was, you know, like, remember I was saying awareness is curative, you know, a lot of people. And I guess let's, let's until. paint the stage. Like how long were you married? Maybe what was, okay. what was going on? Like, you know, what, what kind yeah. of led up to this? Okay. So we were, we were married about five years. We had our first son and Melanie had just given birth to our second son. Right. So she was literally like two weeks postpartum depression stuff, you know, guys, not a good time to drop a bomb on your wife, by the way, uh, kind of thing. But she, I'd, I'd been lying to her and saying, yeah, I've been checking out and looking at porn, you know, and is that like the worst thing in the world? No, it's not. I mean, for some guys, for some relationships, you know, that works and whatever. But for us, I was just lying to her, you know, and being transparent, being honest is one of the most important aspects of a marriage. And we didn't have that. Right. And that was illustrative of a bunch of other things going on in the marriage. We were both not very self-aware. She was unhappy. I was unhappy. And we were just blaming each other. Right. So this was the catalyst that brought it together. I was like, hey, look, I got to fess up. I've been lying to you and doing this, right? So and you were, she didn't think you were looking at porn and mm-hmm. you're like, hey, I'm looking at porn or right, whatever. Right. And that just. Right. Yeah. And again, it, is that the biggest thing in the world? Did that warrant like a black eye and like living through hell for the next two years? No, it didn't. But there were some other like postpartum uh, depression stuff going on. And it was really, really, really hard. And it was just crazy. We both said, okay we want to kill each other. I want to kill myself. She was saying that it was, it was nuts, man. Just like a living hell for like a year and a half, but we got through it listening to podcasts, getting coaches, getting therapists, getting help. Right. Because oftentimes we think we can do stuff alone, but if we could, we would have done it by now. And that was not our case. So we were like, okay, she wanted a divorce. I said, no, we're not going to get divorced over this. And it wasn't like a, top down my way or the highway kind of thing. I was like, no, I know that through hard work and if we kick our own ass and get our ass kicked by other people, coaches, 
therapist and stuff. We can get through this. So like, okay, we're going to get through this, right? So then month after month, we were determined, going to therapy, doing counseling, all this stuff, and we got through it. So that that was the story. We both didn't know our, you know, asses from a hole in the ground. That was the catalyst of stuff. And then, and then just the bottom fell out, but we, we got through it. So that, that was the story leading up to it. But a lot of guys might be like, what? You look at porn, who cares? No big deal. But it was that paired with about 800 other things of, you know, emotional, uh, uh, you know, dismissing her emotions. I was feeling dismissed. We weren't just, we weren't connected. It was like, we bought into the myth of, okay, the Jerry Maguire, Hey, you're going to complete me kind of thing stuff, which is not true by the way of, okay, we're married. Wait a minute. This sucks. You suck. I don't want to be with you. You're mean, you're this, whatever. Um, but then we're like, Oh, we're both being terrible in this immature. We need to grow up say, Hey, what do we really want here and get really decisive on what we want for ourselves, first of all, and then for our marriage, for our relationship, for our family, and then work towards that. And we just worked our asses off and did that. And now, you know, married almost 17 years coming up in August. We're in yeah, a really yeah, different so, place. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and that's it, right? Like you recognize that the only way through it is to put in the work, right? It, it, right. it was not going to solve itself. It was not going to go away, you know, if, and, and I honor the fact that you guys came together and made that commitment, right, to one mm-hmm. another then. It's almost, what I'm hearing you saying, it's almost like, almost a renewal of your commitment. Like, yeah, you got your marriage vows, obviously, and stuff like that in the beginning. But I, when you said that, I was like, wow, it's like you guys almost just renewed your vows to one another saying, no, we're not getting divorced. We're going, we're going to get through this, how we need to get yeah. through this to be successful yeah. together. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the, 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 again, the turning point was not when we said, Hey, I'm sorry, you know, okay, I'll do better. It was I, as a man, as a husband, as a father, in choosing this, it was that aspect of extreme ownership and discipline equals freedom and all this stuff, taking full ownership and going, okay, what have I done to contribute to this? Seth, you're not happy, so you can control it. Go out there and do something about it, whether or not she does anything, right? Because oftentimes in marriages, one person will decide to change and the wife or husband is like, oh, you're changing, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then people get sidetracked and then they just go back to their old ways, right? But we both found success of like, okay, I'm doing this with or without you. Like being really disciplined on reading the books and being the man that I know that I should be and treating you right and unlearning a lot of bullshit from family of origin that I learned from my dad or from my mom. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm choosing to go this way. And I know that this is a good way. And again, it's not coming from a top down my way or the highway kind of thing. It's, I know that this is the best thing for me and I know that it will be good with this. I would like for you to join me. Thankfully she did. And then we both kind of started uh, that upward trajectory at the same time, which was really, really powerful. And we're like, man, we have to put this out there because if we could do it, literally anybody can do it, can do it. If, if they decide they're going to do it for themselves and go, okay, this is what I want. Let's go for it. Yeah. It's, 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 people need the examples, right? And they need the examples from real people 
so that they can see like this, uh, uh, this is possible, possible for me, right? You're living in the suck, your, your marriage is crap, whatever you're feeling the way you feel about it and seeing these stories, you know, from your show and just kind of seeing, yeah, this can be fixed. This people have been in worse situations in, and yeah. this is how they got through it and what they need to do. I want to ca- call out a point that you made earlier. Um, you know, the compounding effect goes both ways, right? Like, so, so the compound effect of like, if you're doing these little things, they add up to something big, right? So just something you're losing weight. So if you just go work out 30 minutes a day and fix your diet, like that'll add up to 15 pounds of lost weight, right? So the compounding effect of that 30 minute a day adds up to that. Right. But the same holds true to the compounding effect of the negative stuff, right? You, like, so you said there was, it was the 800th thing that broke the bank, right? And it's like, it's like right. if you got capital built up in your relationship, but you're, you're doing all these little negative things, you're, you're, you're making withdrawals. Okay. I'm taking more out of it. I'm doing this. And then finally you go in your case, you go to make a withdrawal one day about the porn in your case, and there's no more in a bank. Right. Boom. There it is. It blew up. The, the compound effect in the reverse kind of caught up. So mm-hmm. something important to know, like the little things add up. It's not, it's not always the, I mean, you could have enough, you know, relationship capital, so to speak. And one big thing happens and you get through it. It's not a mm-hmm. catastrophic event because there was enough there, but when there's right. no more left in the bank and that might mm-hmm. be a, that might not be a $25 withdrawal, it might be a dollar withdrawal and boom, you yeah. know, there's the, there's the, yeah. there's the hit. Dr. John and Julie Gottman, who are pioneers in the marriage space, they're out, out here in actual, uh, in Seattle and they've written tons of, tons of books on this. But they talk about a five-to-one ratio. Good relationships, successful relationships, have a five-to-one ratio of five good things, five deposits in the emotional bank account compared to one negative thing. And when we hit that, I mean, it's and they're all based back by science and research stuff. So when they say five-to-one, it's literally five positive things to one thing. Good relationships can weather that one thing because, oh, guess what? Over the last week or month or even day, there's been five positive emotional deposits in that. And yeah, you're exactly right. I'm glad you pointed that out. We did not have that ratio. Probably it was five to one in the way that you don't want. It was one to five, right? <laughs> and that, that one little thing just like, boom, ripped the bottom out. But positive, healthy, rewarding relationships in all areas do have that five to one ratio. And the good thing about this is, we have total control to have the ability to uh, do the ratio that way, right? It can be a, hey, good morning. I got you coffee this morning, right? It's a positive thing. Hey, I put the toilet seat up or down. That's a positive thing, right? Because what that does for your spouse is allows or it, it lets them know, hey, <clears throat> this dude, this gal was thinking about me when I wasn't around, yeah. right? Or... Melanie knows that like, you know, I like uh, shoulder rubs or something like that. Okay. Come home, touch me on the shoulder. It's a five to one ratio, right? Yeah. So we can weather that other stuff. So yeah, I'm super glad you pointed that out. Thank you. Yeah, no. And um, I mean, I think, you know, another thing you mentioned, I want to hit on, you know, from your, from your profession and, and mental health, like let's talk a little bit about depression for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what is depression? Like how does it, because I've had my own experience with it. It's, it's a dark, dark place, but I want to, I want to get your take on like, what is it? And when, when would someone know, like they're actually up against that? Because if, if, if you've not been through it or, or 
you know, you're in this cloud, like, you know, so talk to me a little bit about just depression, what it is, how yeah. you know you're there, et cetera. So, so clinically, and this isn't, this may not be verbatim from the, the DSM or other classification things where we uh, diagnose folks, but depression, um, I know if someone is depressed, if I ask them, you know, a battery of questions and I'll try to remember some of them, one is like, okay, do you, you get less pleasure from doing things now that you used to like to do? Oh, I had these hobbies. I look forward to, I don't know, go dirt bike racing or hunting or, you know, spending time with my kids or something. I just don't care about those anymore. So less interest in things that you used to like, if you're sleeping way more, if you're uh, gaining weight, if you're not interested in uh, sex, like less sexual feelings, um, you feel down all the time, like maybe you're crying more easily. Uh, you you just kind of don't care about things. You're apathetic. You're like, yeah, I could go there, but what does it even matter kind of thing? Um, and oftentimes I, I describe depression as uh, or, or um, illustrate depression, depression, depressive feelings as Say that I'm somewhere in, I don't know, Kansas, somewhere really flat or something, you know, out in a big field and I'm just sitting there. It's a, you know, sunny day. I see this gray cloud off in the horizon. It's coming. It's coming. I can feel it. I'm like, oh, what is that? What is that? Then it's right on top of me. Right. And you're in that dark place. You're like, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't care about anything. Don't mess with me, whatever. And then sometimes you feel it go away like, okay, well, I don't feel so crappy now but yeah but the depression happens when that dark cloud is mostly around you right when it's either right on top of you and you're just really in it or when like most of your outlook or most of what you see above you is just that dark gray sky kind of thing right so that's how uh and again that's not verbatim but that's just a, a very kind of anecdotal uh uh examples of of what depression is uh, it's a most most uh, people experience depression because it's, it's a biological issue, right? It's less you know happy chemicals, dopamine, right, serotonin, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, sometimes people experience depression after something like a major event. Of course, after grief and loss, you know, uh, depression is somewhat natural. Um, after a major transition in life, um, which can also include anxiety and depression, like I, I left my full-time agency work uh, during COVID, by the way, to dive into high-performance marriage coaching full-time. And honestly, I did experience, uh, I say, some healthy anxiety, not so, not so much depression, really, because it was more of like, okay, we really did this. This, this was totally volunteer, volunteer. We did this, but there was some anxiety and then maybe a little bit of depression about, did we make the right thing? What kind of man am I? What am I doing? Did I, you know, did I make the wrong choice? Do I have kids? What the hell am I thinking kind of thing? Um, but I want to put it in context of what if we looked at depression just like uh, any other illness, like, you know, cancer or diabetes or something like that. But as a, as a mental health and a marriage and family therapist, I see this often people, especially men, us dudes, we want to white knuckle everything, right. And just kind of beat our way through it. But if we looked at depression or other mental illness as like, Oh shit, I fell and broke my leg. I need to go to the ER. I need to go get care. I need to go to physical therapy after that and reframing in our minds of like, man, I'm thinking things that I 
didn't really think a year ago, okay, what's going on? Let me get some help around that. Let me get some, let me shed some light on this and get some education, awareness, security, right? So if I know I'm feeling like, God, I haven't felt like this before, let me go talk to somebody about it. And for guys and for women too, but for guys, that's an actual testament and a show of strength, right? Like if I can't lift something really heavy, I can either try for two hours and throw my back out or call my neighbor buddy and say, dude, can you come over and help me with this thing? It doesn't mean I'm a wuss or I can't do it or can't figure it out. Like, oh, I just managed my time and my resources a lot more wisely, but just asking my neighbor guy to come over, hey, you pick up this thing. All right, we did it together. Let's look at depression and mental health and mental health issues that way. Go talk to a therapist. It's fine, right? Strong guys, all the strong coaches that I know and strong dudes that I know um, are open to that and go, yeah, I got I had to go get my head right, right? I was just feeling anxiety or, you know, this things I haven't felt before. Went and talked to somebody and got some good education around that and was like, oh, okay, I feel a lot better. Yeah. And if you, and to your point about the awareness being a cure, like if you're aware that serotonin is a thing, your brain needs serotonin to, to get you those happy feelings, whatever. And I'm no ist and by none of this is any advice. This is just my experience. So, yeah. you know, I carry no credentials in this, but you know, and, and back to even Jordan Peterson, you know, he brought clarity to this for me at one point about depression versus having real problems. And, and I think he made the point and maybe it was one of his podcasts or lectures or whatever, you know, he had said like depression, like, if you've got a challenge, like you said, you if you just had a major loss in your life, like that's natural. You're going to feel anxiety. You're going to feel the pain of the loss and whatever. Um, and, and you can get through that. You may not necessarily be depressed if it's a, it's an event. It's a, it's a challenging event in time. Um, but you know what rung out to me is he said, you know, but if you have every, everything's going good for you, but you're still in that cloud, you know, in that dark place you're, you're depressed. Like that's a, right. you're, you know, cause that, that was a big tell. Like, you know, when I went through it, it was, I didn't have any, everything was going great, but like you said, it, it, and I don't talk to many people about this, but you know, you talk about the vulnerability stuff. I'll tell you, man, I had points for no good reason, but I would be like crying in the shower. Mm. No idea why. No, yeah. I, I didn't have any problem. You know, I, it wasn't like this big thing was killing me, but, um, I, I did talk to a doc about it at one point, but what I realized, like my, I had changed my diet and it affected me biologically. Um, and it wasn't until that all clicked that I actually got back in it. And I, I intermittent fast, I've intermittent fast for years and long story short, I went off intermittent fasting. I, I mean, on Netflix, they had this, uh, uh, man, it was a documentary about eating greens. It was, um, uh-huh. oh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but there was this, was it the, there was uh, this doc- smoothie, the smoothie dude, that one, or no, it was the one about going all vegan and, and it had all these athletes on it that they, they just ate a vegan diet and it talked about like how much it made their performance. So I was like, Oh yes. Try- I know what you're talking about. Yep. The bodybuilder guy and he's huge. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Right. I forget what that was called. It was the game changers, the game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I watched that and I'm like, all right. Yeah. I could use some more energy in my life. I could, I, I, I could use that. So I switched my diet up. I've been on intermittent fasting for years. Um, you know, whereas I intermittent fasting for me, I would eat from noon to 8 PM and then I would go off, you know, no eat. And, and again, I'm not a ist in anything, but what I had read was, um, your body, when it's burning 
normal food fuel, it's not as efficient. If it's burning body fat, it's like burning rocket fuel. And after mm. 12 hours, you go into a fasted state and now you're burning you know, body fat. So you're burning body fat naturally, but it's, it's a, it's a better energy fuel for you. And Mm -hmm. that, that, that to me was working. And I was like, well, you know, let me try this vegan stuff. (laughs) And man, it sent me down, um, in a big way. And I didn't know, right. It was crazy. And to round the story out. So I was, I was like depressed. I had no idea why. I mean, and I'm talking crazy stuff and and no one at the time, no one would have known. No one yeah. would have known. Um, this was all in my head, in my private space, you know, but like I said, I'd be crying in shower. No idea why. You know, just mm. no idea why. Um, I'd be, I, I, I'd got a Peloton. I'd be on my Peloton freaking crying. I'd be telling myself I'm letting everyone down. I'm, and there's no truth to like yeah. any uh, like uh, reasons, right? There was no event that someone said, yeah, you're letting me down. You're doing like, it, it was just in my head. And, um, and one day, you know, finally, I think my wife checked me, we were coming back from dinner and, um, they were coming back from lunch one day driving, I was driving mm-hmm. and I, I said, can we pull over? Yeah. We were coming down the highway. I'm like, can we pull over? And she's like, what's going on? I was like, I need mm-hmm. you to drive. And so we get out and, and I'm like, I start bawling and she's like, mm-hmm. what's wrong? I said, I have no idea, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah. and that's when I was like, okay, you know, something's going on. The funny thing was, how this rounded out was, um, so I was still doing that stupid diet. I hadn't gotten back to it. And one day I literally had come down from crying on a Peloton, was getting ready to get into the shower. And my iWatch sends like, you know, has those news alerts. This yeah. news alert pops up and says, doctors say intermittent fasting, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I have not been intermittent fasting. And in fact, I felt this way since I stopped doing that. Ah. I switched back to it and went right back to normal. It, it's crazy. And that's just me. Yeah. Like, but that's and, the and biology. Then, yeah. Of it. The, the yeah. biology. So yeah, people don't think about it, but we have training in this. Your biology affects everything else you're doing, right? I approach things from a, a we call it a biopsychosocial spiritual model, right? Our biology influences every aspect of that. Our emotional um, aspect, um, emotional aspects, uh, spiritual, right? I mean, I'm not talking about like, oh, some religion or anything, but just your spirituality, who you are as a person. And then, um, um, biopsychosocial, oh, and social, our friends. Each one of those four quadrants impact the other ones. So your biology got way off, right? Yeah. And what did that impact? Everything else, especially social, emotional. You were crying, you're social, you know, I don't know if your social life suffered or whatnot. But it probably did with your wife. Like, what do you? What? What is this? What's going on? That yeah. impacted things, right? Um, tell me. I, I'm really curious about. Uh, maybe this is just my own kind of uh, thing. But I, I've done intermittent fasting a little bit. But can you? Hmm. So 12 to 8 o'clock, right? Yeah. Uh, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. That was your your feeding window. I guess that's what, what I do. Yeah. It, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when you went back on that. How did how did you feel? Was it like a day and night kind of thing, or did you get back on rhythm within quickly days. or what? Really, within days, I was back. And 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 like mm-hmm. I say, that's like the depression, and, and it's one of those things. Like uh, I just could tell. And, and I, I'll use your analogy: the cloud was gone, but I can. Mm-hmm. But during that time, and that's where you know being in a depressive state like that, I, it's one of those things I wouldn't wish on anyone. You know, yeah. and and and, yeah. and to, to again, I was hiding it damn well you know i'm I'm running a company it's got 200 people like i can't be showing that right you know um right. like i say everything was going great we we're going gangbusters 
finance, everything, everything was great. No problems at home. Everything was great. And, but it was that saying, I guess back to what I heard, heard Jordan Peterson say, like, you know, if, if you're feeling that way and there's no real significant event or something going on that you can point to, like it's biological. And, um, and, and then I, I've talked to some other friends and I probably should do some more research into it. In fact, um, I've got a podcast episode coming up. I've got a guy that's, that's a doctor that specializes in intermittent fasting that I'm kind of got to dig into a little bit more like what's happening, but some light research. I did see some articles that talked about, you know, the, the serotonin levels and stuff like that. You know, obviously it's one of those things there's, unless it's going to lend yield some pharmaceutical, there's not a lot of research out on natural ways to heal ourselves. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to find some, like someone who's invested time and research into something like that. But, um, but yeah, that, that was, that was the case. Yeah. It was crazy. uh, Another thing, another thing about depression and also anxiety, if you find yourself feeling like this more often than not, and, and like you said, nothing else significant in therapy, we call it a nodal event. If there's no other nodal events that we can point back to, like, okay, there's a divorce, there's, you know, death and uh, grief, grief and loss, um, job loss kind of thing. If if it can't, if we can't point back to something like that and you're just feeling this way more days than not, then that is something to go like, wait a minute. Okay, this is something. Let's go check it out. Let's don't shy away from it. Let's really lean into it, you know, and yep. for anxiety, it's, it's crazy how many people have depression and anxiety, but they just think, oh, well, I'm just stressed. I'm just pushing, you know, I'm just doing, doing my thing. Right. But like sometimes us doing our thing doesn't work. And just recently, right. Again, we're talking about vulnerability stuff. Uh, sometimes going on vacation can be more stressful, especially when it's family and stuff like that it can be more stressful than just like staying at home and doing your own thing. Right. It's like, we came back from vacation. I'm like, I need a vacation from the vacation. And there were like two weeks when I was just really, and this was recent, like a couple of weeks ago, just feeling, I can't relax. I can't just turn my brain off. You know, it's like the feeling of uh, not being able to concentrate. Like one of the signs of uh, having um, generalized anxiety disorder is uh, feeling keyed up or on edge, you know, like you drank too much caffeine or something like that, mm-hmm. or um, not having the ability to focus or concentrate on seemingly easy things. And then a third one is, um, just being irritable. Yeah. Like just feeling like, I don't know, it's cranky. What's, what's the deal? So I always like to lean into those and go, okay, hmm, you're feeling this way. Maybe it is anxiety, you know, let's slow down, you know, try some Wim Hof breathing or something, do a cold dip or whatever. You know, exercise, right? Diet and exercise is one of the main components to change our health, obviously to change our physical health, but also to change our social and emotional and mental health. It's like, okay, uh, what are you eating? How much are you moving? Because our body creates those own, you know, you create your own dopamine, you get your runners high or whatever you call it, you know, um, in those things. Um, but just being, uh, having the awareness to, to slow down and take a minute and go, oh, okay, is it something different? You know, because too, especially guys, we use the excuse of like, well, we just got to get this done and I'm just churning and burning and, you know, grinding and all this stuff. That's great. I love that stuff. Right. But if that's all you're doing, then you're going to run the wheels off of that thing sooner than later. And you're like, oh, man. I, I should have slowed yeah, down earlier. You can't run, run the car red line nonstop. Right. <laughs> like, you got to stop. Right. You know, you got to take it off the red. You got to change the oil. You got to re-energize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, jumping back into marriages, you know, what are what are some of the more common things you see in it challenges, issues you see in, in marriages, you know, 
through your experience, what's, what's, some, what's the typical stuff that you see going on, people doing wrong? Yeah. I, I, I'm saying most of our clients who come to us needing help and most of the folks that write in or DM, DM on Instagram or whatnot, they, they talk about we aren't feeling emotionally connected, right? And our communication sucks, right? So communication and just like, I want to be close to this person physically, intimately, spiritually, emotionally, but there's just blocks, you know? He does this that turns me off or like he never listens or like she just complains all the time or just nags, nags, nags. Um, it's really figuring out those things. And so what do you do? What, what do you suspect if you're laying in bed and the smoke alarm goes off? What do you just instantly suspect? Oh, There's fire. there might be a fire, right? Or, or a dead battery, right? It, one, one of the two. So I like to look at these things as uh, looking at it from a marriage perspective and like, oh, our communication sucks or he never listens or all she does is complain. Those are signs that you guys need to stop. Stop what you're doing, right? Tony Robbins talks about take massive action, right? Stop what you're doing, you know, because we're really good at just perpetuating the same cycle of arguing over and over and over and go, hey, what is the thing below the thing below the thing? And oftentimes we're either scared or fearful or like hurt, right? And I think there's another one that I'm not thinking of it right now. But when we when we are willing to go below those things, it's like, oh, that thing that I said hurt your feelings. Okay, I wasn't trying to be a douchebag about it, and you're not just a whiny baby about it. That actually hurt your feelings because maybe it reminded you of something that you got teased about in high school or something like that, right? I said something that triggered an old injury and you responded with defense around that. What? Is that what we're talking about? No, you're complaining that I left my socks on the floor for the 18th time or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's the the ability to slow down and go, what is the thing below the thing below the thing? I was on a, a potential client call yesterday. And it's like, you guys did not get married to get divorced, right? Nobody thinks that, you know, on their wedding day or whatever, if you're at a church or a park or the courthouse or whatever, when you get married, you're not gonna. You're not thinking about oh that super shitty time five years from now where I hate you and we get divorced. No, you don't think about that. But those things creep up when we're not intentional about our communication and all this stuff. And so the the other thing that I know I'm going all over the place here, but back to communication and looking to, for the thing below the thing below the thing. When we're able to look at those things and then pair those with, hey, husband. What are you doing to contribute to this problem? Well, if she wouldn't do that, then I wouldn't have to say that. No, that's bullshit. What are you doing that is contributing to this problem? And we really get deep into that. Oh, well, I don't listen and I dismiss her emotionally and I'm kind of selfish and this, this and this. And then we get into the reasons why he may feel that way, which always comes from family of origin or some other injury that we have. And it this is, I'm not doing therapy with our coaching clients. We're, we're being emotionally available to talk to them about these real things and then go, all right, we've uncovered it. I'm going to kick your ass in a nice way around that and hold you accountable to that. Oftentimes there's a lot of pushback, right? Because people don't like to change. Being uncomfortable is not something that we like. But we push back and push back and go, hey, you said you wanted this. This is the reason I'm here to remind you and also encourage you because I felt exactly like you felt. I have I felt that way before. 
and here's the way out, right? So that's that's what we do with coaching. But again, circling it back around to communication, owning our own stuff, and then being willing to go, oh, the thing below the thing below the thing, okay? She reacts this way because she feels like she has to defend herself because you don't listen to her kind of thing. And then we have conversations about that. And that really opens up stuff. And then couples slowly go, oh, that felt good. Oh, that was an emotional uh, deposit, right? That five to one thing we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that. And then I think Garrett White talks about stacking. Um, uh, It's just, it's basically habit building, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to wake up. I want to wake up at 5 a.m. and start getting up at 5.45 a week from now. Start getting up at 5.30, 5.15, and then it gets easier and you stack and then you finally get to your goal, right? Right. So that's one of the approaches that we take with marriage and relationships. Okay, we're going to change this behavior, modify it to this, and then eventually, oh, this is how we act. This is how we talk. This is how we communicate. And this is how we treat each other in the relationship. And that's where the real change happens. Yeah, I love it. And and, and I love that you called out coaching because, you know, I've come to understand, you know, and, and you're in a really unique position, I think, to serve your clients in this way, right? Because I've always looked at like therapy is looking back and unpacking you know, mm-hmm. what's happened in the past and getting that awareness, that understanding of, of why we're here, but mm-hmm. coaching the power of coaching, it's future oriented, right? We're, we're looking right. to where are we going? I'm going to coach you to where do you need to go? Where do you want right. to go? Where do you have to go? And I think that's awesome. Cause I think you're in a really good spot, right? To be, be both, right? Like let's unpack it. Let's figure it out Rob. we're here. So we're all on the same page. And then let's talk, let's get you where you want to go. So I, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that you said that because one of the questions that we get is, Hey, what's the difference between therapy and coaching? And you, you said it perfectly. One of the analogies that we also give is, okay, therapy is if say you're a you know cross country runner or something, right? You fall, you break your leg, right? You go to therapy to get healing from the past, right? Mm-hmm. Then, okay, get all healed up, get minted up, you know, be on the up and up. Then like physical therapy, even then you go to a coach to say, all right, coach, I'm all healed up. This stuff in the past, we literally got it taken care of. Now I'm training to run the fastest, you know, 500 meter or, you know, cross country, you know, 5k or whatever it is. Right. So that's the difference between therapy and coaching. Yeah, I, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I like that because I'm going to I'm gonna steal that one from you because it's a good, I love the analogy. That's that's cool. Hi, everyone. Dale here. I want to take a quick break to invite you to join us at lionsguide.com. Have you ever struggled to show up as your best when you really needed to most? Have you ever stared at your week and you just wondered, how the heck am I going to fit all this in? Or worse, have you come to the end of your week and asked, how come you didn't get done what you wanted to? Or maybe have you ever struggled to gain influence at work or home? Or have you felt as if you are a productive person, but you really don't know where you're going or what you want? So the distractions of social media or maybe Netflix take over your day. If any of that sounds like you, I want you to know that you're not alone and invite you to visit us online at lionsguide.com and subscribe to the Lions Guide newsletter or maybe even download some of our free guides to help you on your journey. The time is now to transition to the next level in your performance and personal growth and have some joy in life. Visit lionsguide.com and subscribe today. You owe it to yourself and those most important to you to be the best version of you. Don't lose any more time. Subscribe today. I can't wait to see who you're going to become. And now back to the show. So what you talked about, you know, the way you've been serving clients, like what's, you know, maybe your your biggest success story or, or maybe the a client success story that you're most proud of? Yeah, well, there's 
there's a lot of them, right? We've had a lot of clients over the years. And we have the range of clients from, hey, we literally have the divorce papers here on our desk. This is our last ditch effort, you know, so they come to us. Two clients who are killing it, right? They're entrepreneurs, they're really growth mindset. And they say, yeah, we know that coaching, having another set of eyes is good for us. So we're going to do it, you know, and, and level up. And some of those guys, it's really cool because we uncover stuff like, man, I didn't even know things are good. But I didn't know that that upper limit problem was impacting how I'm showing up for marriage. You know, mm-hmm. okay, we, we figured that out, right? Let's, let's go. Let's get some encouragement around that. Two, the, 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 the converse of that, like, yeah, the divorce papers are here. This is our last ditch effort. Like, okay, how are you showing up, man, dude? You know, how are you showing up, woman? Like, oh, I've never even thought about that. And then they really start to uncover, like, we've gone 20 years thinking the same thing. And we had no idea that this way of thinking was contributing to this. It wasn't that he was just a douchebag and, you know, she's just crazy over here. It was the culmination of like, we're both bringing this thing, contributing to this, but we think that this, the terrible situation, the way that we're experiencing marriage right here is all because of him, all because of her. And then, so we, we shed light and increase awareness that we're like, Oh wow. So this one particular couple, in fact, is like, nah, we're not getting divorced kind of thing. And that was only after like 45 days of, of coaching. It was like, okay, let's keep this momentum up. And it's just really awesome. And Coaches, typically we do 90-day uh, spurts of coaching. Uh, I, I don't want to see. So problems don't happen in less than 90 days, you know, when you've been married for 10 years or whatever, you know. It's like, okay, this didn't take 90 days to create. Let's be reasonable and not expect it to ha- to change in like seven days or three weeks or something like that, right? So we don't coach folks under 90 days. Sure, yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things I was going to say is the the – it usually goes like this, like, okay, somebody's, you know, they're like, okay, let's take this island. We're going to burn the boats. You know, they make the financial commitment, all this stuff to coaching. So there's like a high, like, okay, yeah, we let's do this. Right. First session goes great. You know, second, we're getting into stuff and around the three to four week mark is like, oh, now we're getting into some real stuff. Right. So that's when the the pushback really happens. Like, I didn't know coaching would be like this. This is uncomfortable. This is a laser beam focus on me. This feels terrible. And, you know, sometimes we get pushback, but our job as a coach is like, no, we're pushing through this, right? And then there's breakthroughs, you know, after after like five, six or so weeks, big breakthroughs, like, okay, this is our new normal. And then another kind of downswing of like, oh, he did it again, or she's saying this stuff again. We're like, yeah, I know. This is how it goes. But this is where the rubber meets the road. The only way out is through, and we're going to stay here. And that's where the coaching magic happens. Like, oh, shit. Hey, Seth, can we jump on a call real quick? Yeah, let's walk through this, man. Let's do this. And then the ladies are talking to Melanie all the time. We use Voxer app and stuff like that. And it's that encouragement and that really high accountability level. It's like, yeah, I know this. But remember two weeks ago when all was great and you guys made a huge breakthrough? Yeah. You can do it. And one thing that I, I like to remind myself of this, if I've done anything in my life, um, and I'd like to know what you think about this. I haven't talked to many people about it. I just say it all the time on the show. If I've done anything in my life, like super hard, like dug deep and reached that goal and just like, oh man, I killed it. I did it. Or I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? That was so stupid. That was selfish. That was terrible to me, right? 
if I've done anything before in my life, I have the capability, the capacity to do it again. Barring some physical, you know, injury or emotional mental health thing, right? Like I like to remind myself on this because I run hills. We have beautiful property out here and there's a circuit that I do. It's about two miles long and there's really sloping hills, right? And I run the whole thing just flat out. Sometimes I don't want to do it, you know, at 530 in the morning, right? But I've done it so many times that when I say, oh, no, I don't want to do it. I say, Seth, F that. You've done it. You can do it again. Shut up and do it, right? So that's, that's what I say to couples. Like, okay, no, you know, Joe and, you know, Sue, you've done this before. You're going to do it again. I'm going to remind you of that. I'm going to walk through it with you. I'm going to coach you through it. And I'm not going to accept anything less because that's not where we're at right now. You have done it before. You can do it again. So let me, I'm going to circle back. What do you think about that? Are we capable as humans? I mean, you're a coach. You've done a million things that are awesome. Are we capable of, if we've set the bar here before, are we always able to go back? I mean, of course, barring crazy circumstances, are we always get, able to go back to to do that goal again, you think? Well, look, I think from the marriage perspective, I'm going to rephrase kind of how I'm hearing you say that, which is, you know, from a coach, when you look at these situations, you know, I feel what you're saying is like, hey, we've been here before. We're here again, but we're smarter now. We're going to deal with this better this time, right? So, so that that event that's happening, like you, you're saying, like, oh, he did it again, right? Like, okay, but we know now, like, we know that how we've addressed him doing this in the past has not worked. How are we going to deal with it now, right? So, I feel like there's that progression of uh, awareness again um, to be better the next time, like. I've done this before, I can do it again, but having done it before, I can do it better now, right? I can be, you know, um, to your point about just generally from a performance perspective, I find myself looking at a lot of things like that, you know, just I think a a physical challenge since you went there. Um, I did uh, Goggins uh, 4x4x48 this year, you know, you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And how I got through that mentally was I just kept saying, I already ran four miles. I just need to run four more miles. And when I got to the halfway point at 24 miles, I said, I've already run 24 miles. I can run 24 miles. Now I just need to run 24 miles for 24 more miles. Right. Like I just kept the, the bites small going, well, this is just four miles. I've run four miles a million times. It's only four miles. Like don't, don't look at the forest, you know, uh, focus on that tree in front of you, you know, so, so to speak in that regard um, and just get through that. I, I got through, Marine Corps boot camp like that, to be honest with you. I just said one more day, you know, just one more day, just yeah. get through another yeah. day. Every every night when I got in the rack, I was on the bottom rack and I could still see it. I was looking up at the bunk above me going one more day down, one more day to go. And just, you know, mm-hmm. uh, got, yeah. got through it that way. So, yeah. I, and I think that's, it's, I think it's also a great tool for anyone to give yourself that acknowledgement. Like, Hey, I've done this before you know, that was me, you know, I did that, you know, and I can do it again. If I'm, if I'm doing the right things that allow me to do it, right. You know, cause it's like, you know, if you run a marathon and you train 16 weeks to do it and you ran a, a, a three hour, 30 minute run, and then you sign up for another one, but you don't do any training and show up. Like you can expect you're probably going to have a hard time with that. Right. So, so oh, there is yeah. a perspective like, yeah, you've, I've done that before. I can do it again. So long as I do what it took 
to do it then, but do right. maybe do that better. Right. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I think, I think that's powerful yeah. stuff for sure. And, and I think that it, it also keeps me, uh, this, I guess maybe doesn't sound humble, but it, it keeps me honest in that. Like, Hey Seth, that, that douchebag thing that you did, you always have the capability to do that again. If you let yourself slide in this way and this way or this way, right. Kind of thing. So yep. it's like, Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Okay. So what do I need to do? to keep myself on my toes in that way. Because I, I didn't like that guy. You know, I didn't like that guy a year and a half ago, two years ago. Okay, what are you going to do to not be that? You have the capability to get back there again. What are you going to do to keep yourself aware and to keep yourself disciplined not to go back there again? Um, so <laughs> it, it, it can go. Does that make sense? I talk about that in a form of, uh, well, look, number one, everyone needs to know there's a monster in us. So like we have, we could be, a lot of great things mm-hmm. and we can be a lot of evil things too. Like never forget there, there's a monster in you. I mean, you can, we've seen enough evil in this world, especially in our lifetime, seeing yeah. the human potential for evil, right? Like, like yeah. in our lifetime, let alone like the Holocaust and all the other craziness oh. that's happened, you yeah. know, but so you got to know that, that that can be there and you've got to consciously choose. It, it, it was that old Indian story. And I'm sure you know, in your area, like the, uh, the two, two, the two wolves fighting, you know, internally, you know, which one yeah. wins the one that you feed, right? Like right. you, you feed that white wolf, the one that is the good virtues, the, the, the progressive goals and, and you're feeding that one and you don't feed the the negative one, but it's there, you know, you've, and I, I, I'll say the, a lot of the stuff that I do today from a performance perspective, um, you know, shout out to Jay Tiggs, who, who, who is another high performance coach. We've talked about this, like he and I are on the same page with like a lot of the things I'm doing today, like pushing myself from a performance perspective is to keep the monster at bay. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you got to keep pushing yourself in the, that forward direction, right? you know, and, and it, I talk when I teach about necessity, you know, there's two forms, like, you know, necessity to get, earn a goal. Like, why do you need this goal? What is it? What is, how's it going to change your life? What's, what's the necessity to go get this? Another way to look at it to your point, I believe is what happens if I don't start going towards that goal, right? Mm-hmm. if I don't do what I need to start doing there, or maybe I do worse, I start doing the opposite. What does that future look like, right? What, right. What's my ideal future I want and what's the future I'm trying to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is uh, a good awareness to have, right? Especially to know what you're running towards, but just as importantly, know what you're running from, you know? That, right. That, it, it, yeah. it, it really creates a, a stark perspective, like with potential client calls. I'm like, okay, what happens if you don't do coaching? Yeah. What, what do you do if you and your wife, you and your husband get off of this discovery call right now and you don't do anything? And oftentimes they know exactly what's going to happen. Whoa, we just, just have a terrible marriage or we get divorced or we just keep on struggling this way. I'm mad at her. She's yeah. mad at me. Sucks, right? And sadly, there are, a, a, you know, a number of folks are like, yeah, I don't know. We can't do it. Like, I, I mean, okay. I say imagine. Hello, say, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give you a sales tactic that that just came to me. Like, I imagine you could simply, and maybe you do say like the cost of coaching is going to be way less expensive than the the divorce lawyer fees. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Am I wrong? (laughs) No, you're you're not wrong. I I, I think (laughs) what's the average, um, I don't know, average U.S. divorce. I mean, in certain cases, I think it's the average. So I think it's around 20 or 25,000 or something like that. Right. And 
you know, with, with us 90 days, it, it's less than that. I mean, some coaches are, are you know, 100K a year and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like right in, in the moment, I'd rather spend, you know, the smaller side of five figures for marriage coaching than like, you know, 20, 25, $30,000, especially just ah, kids. Like I've, I've had uh, therapy clients who have gotten divorced, you know, and come to me and they just couldn't work it out. And they're like, this is the most terrible thing that has ever happened. It sucks in all areas. Of it. I know it does. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. And uh, it, it's, it's just crazy. So I'd rather be uncomfortable. Wisdom does now. We're going to be thankful for later. Right. And the times yeah. we've done therapy, the times we've done coaching, I'm like, Phew. whatever the price tag on that was, I'd have paid it, you know, three, four five times over because the results are something that I can't see myself living without. And folks yeah. who get, gain that perspective um, really benefit from it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Another thing I wanted to get your perspective on, um, you know, talk to me about the importance of, of trust and in, in honesty in a relationship, right? Like just mm-hmm. like, 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 let's be real talk here. You know, yeah. you've got to be all in, like you've got to have a trusted partner, like without question, right? The integrity of the, the relationship's got to be there, right? Right. Absolutely. So trust and honesty is the foundation of every relationship, romantic or not, right? Like even, even with you and I, okay, yeah, let's do a podcast. I trust you'll show up on time. You trusted I show up on time and we're making something work, right? And so think about it this way. And this is something that people do not think about. Nobody thinks about this. So in your house, you don't even think about the roof trusses in most cases, right? Unless a hurricane comes through, you're like, okay, I hope the roof stays on this thing or whatever. But on the daily, you're not thinking about the floor joists or the roof trusses, right? I'm not thinking, so in our studio here, I'm not thinking about, are these walls going to stand up? Is this, you know, leaky rainproof or whatever? I'm not thinking about that because if I was, then I wouldn't be able to be present with you here, right? We've all been in sketchy situations. Like I know that, you know, you're, you're a vet, and you've served uh, stuff, you've been in situations, and even if you're not a vet or whatever, I mean, not you, I know you are, but for other people, you've been in situations where, oh, thinking deeply and, you know, contemplating something really serious here is not the first thing on my mind because I am concerned with food, safety, water, and shelter right now, right? So think about it this way. If your relationship, if you can't count on the, the house of your relationship having sturdy trusses, then you're not going to be able to show up in any other ways, emotionally, physically, romantically, because you're thinking about some sort of survival or something. So this happens a lot in infidelity and, you know, lying and cheating around is when a partner doesn't trust like, okay, somebody cheated, they stepped out, they blew it. It takes a long, long, long minute for me, whoever it was, if it was a male or female who was betrayed to build up that emotional courage and that emotional vulnerability to be able to share something with you because I don't know if this roof is, I'm not going to think about it here. I'm not going to sleep in an old crickety, crickety, uh, rickety roof because, oh, you know, at 2 a.m., it's, you know, a gust of wind might come through and these trusts are going to fall down and kill me and my kids. I'm not going to be able to go sleep in that, right? So that is one aspect of why trust is so vitally important and trust. So we've all seen you know, construction bridges going up, right? No matter where we live in, wherever. 
a construction project starts, it takes a long time to build like some overpass on a freeway, right? A year, yeah. two, three years sometimes. And you say, man, they're, they're taking a really long time, but you're seeing the concrete pillars being poured, the trusses, the rebar, all this stuff. It takes a long time to build something strong that can withstand semi-trucks going on at 24-7, you know, trains, you know, whatever, cars, people. It takes a long time, right? It takes an instant for trust to be broken. Like think about it in a, in a bridge or something like that. An earthquake, a tsunami, boom, falls down, right? So in the, in, the, in the relationship world, trust takes a long time to be broken. I mean, to, to be cultivated. It has to be worked on. You have to be intentional about it. And then just know that you can break trust in an instant. So with couples who ha- have had infidelity or stuff like that, it's like, slow this whole thing down, man, or lady. You cannot for one second expect that bridge that just got crushed to be built back up in one week, two sure. weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And one of the, I heard this teaching a long time ago on, on trust and honesty. It's like, so you ever walked into a room or gone to a restaurant or a bar or something like that? And you're like, all right, this is jamming. This is, let's, let's have some fun. You know, there's people, you know, the band is playing or whatever. It's like an energy that's different, you know, like, okay. It's like having a great team meeting. You're like, man, people, we were just up on here. Right. So there's an energy, like a, there's an actual real energy to that. Right. And on the converse, we've all walked into a room and gone, whoa, who, who, who just died? Is this a funeral or a birthday party? You know what I'm saying? It just right. feels like heavy and just like, ah, so I can't remember what, what book it was, but it talked about honesty as having an energy. Like in a, in a, especially in a romantic relationship, like if you're holding, withholding something from your partner, like if it could be money, you got a bank account they don't know about, or, you know, they've asked you this and you didn't want to hurt their feelings. So you lied about it or you're doing something sketchy. That is an energy. And it, it, it is, here's what it does. That energy inhibits you from feeling the fullness of connection with your wife, with your husband, or whoever sure. you're romantically involved in, right? So when you do talk about trust and honesty, it's like, yeah, okay, let's use those analogies that I use for trust and then understand that, oh, well, she doesn't need to know about this. It's no big deal. Or I just keep this from him kind of thing. There is no way that you are going to get what you actually want out of that relationship, like real emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, spiritual intimacy, even with you know your life partner, whatever you want to call it. Because that energy is taking up room uh, and it, it's not, it's like, um, you know, this, uh, th- if you have something here and try to put something else in there, there's already a space occupied for that, right? So sure. until this is removed, talked about, processed, shed some light on, this other thing cannot be put in that place. It just can't, right? Even, even physically. Yeah. So honesty is so important. And going back to like uh, our story about the black eye and stuff, I wasn't being honest with Melanie. And that was one of the things that was keeping us from really experiencing one another in a way that we both wanted to experience because something else was taking up the space. So it couldn't, yeah. right? So we felt the, the incongruency there of like, oh, what is this? Oh, be honest about stuff and things will change. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I love telling that, that story. Yeah. When you were telling that story about, 
I mean, it takes a lot of energy to maintain the lie, number one. But when you're telling that, I was kind of imagining, you know, like, check this out. It's like, if, if you're going through the field of life, right, with your partner and you're, it's sunny day and you're skipping through the field, right? Mm-hmm. If you tell a lie, it's almost like you've just planted a minefield in front of you, right? right. You can't just skip through that field all happy anymore because now you've got to maintain the lie. Like you've, you've been dishonest and now you're, you've now, to your point, you can't give yourself fully to the connection because now you've got to be aware to maintain the lie. Is, does that right. make sense? Like, Absolutely. You, you, you yeah. can't fully engage. Like, hey, let's just run and skip anywhere because you're thinking, oh, shit, if I step there, we're both going to blow up kind of thing. So part of your emotional energy yeah. is going towards that. And if something, if a resource, which, you know, energy in your mind is an emotional resource, if it's going towards that, it can't be directed over here to what you really want, right? I mean, yeah. well, until, yeah, 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 uh, until you, you shed some light on that stuff and you're like, okay, I don't want to carry that energy around anymore. I'm going to let it go, you know, say what's going on or whatnot. Then you can start the process of, of really creating that relationship that you want. Yeah, a hundred percent. Another thing I wanted to get your perspective on is, you know, this, this hierarchy in a relationship, right? Like, mm-hmm. how does it need to be? You know, like, like, what's the hierarchy of a good, a good marriage? And it, it, tell me if I'm not making sense, but you know. No, no, that, that makes sense. I think that um, oftentimes, so we talk a lot about family of origin, you know, and we usually model. And so I'm going to talk about this in context of just, you know, Western culture, you know, USA, right? This obviously both in the United States. Yeah. Um, culturally, uh, it has been like, okay, the guy's the leader. This is, you know, yeah, this is what we do. He's the main breadwinner, all this stuff, right? And that has really caused some negative things of like, whoa, you're not letting somebody else like live up to their full potential, right? In whatever context it is. And I think that notion of hierarchy in that degree has been really misused and we've missed out on a lot of things, right? And me and Melanie had to really think about that and and talk about that and just come to the conclusion of like, okay, what are you better at in this marriage or just in life? And what am I better at? Right. And sometimes those things can change. They, they, they fluctuate. Right. For an example, like I can cook a hundred times better than Melanie. And she knows that I say that. So I'm not, you know, talking trash (laughs) or anything like that. Um, But that's kind of atypical, right? Like, oh, the woman cooks and stays on all this stuff. So I can cook better, right? And she is a boss with power tools, right? I mean, you know, DeWalt table saws, you know, skill saws, tearing it up, you know, making stuff, fences, tables, all this stuff. And that is, I mean, I'm good at that stuff too, but she's just as good at it. So like, yeah, go ahead, right? So there's no like real hierarchy in that. And we just do what we're both better at, right? Yeah. And I, I like to... And I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but, uh, you know, I, I'm a, a, a hunter and do a lot of stuff outdoors. Right. And I look to nature and elk and deer because we have those all over the property here. I like to look to nature to see what they're doing and then glean wisdom from that. Right. So from the biological point of view, like, OK, so like I said, this is funny. So last night it was like 330 a.m. Our dogs were barking like crazy. Right. And there was a coyote in our backyard about, uh, I don't know, 50 feet from the house and our dog just had puppies. So I'm thinking that coyote's got some eye on the puppies, but they're in a fence, right? So who got up in the middle of the night barefoot and literally chased the coyote away? I did, 
is Melanie going to do that? No, because I'm just physically suited better to do that, right? Who is has more insights into the emotionality of our kids and can give a really nurturing experience to our kids? Melanie can, right? Just biologically, she's hardwired to do that. And that's not to mean that I can't do that because I do. I have, you know, we have little kids and I have, a, you know, little sweet daughter. And does it mean also that she doesn't have the physical capability to chase a coyote through the woods? Yeah, she can do that. She's got legs. She can do that. But who is better suited for that? Yeah. Um, we are. So I, I really like it. I think Jordan Peterson talks about this too. It's like there are real things that men are better at and are better well equipped to do things yeah. with, right? We have we have right. different tools. Clearly, we have yep. different tools. Um, and then on the converse of that, there are things that Melanie and female and, you know, nurturing moms are way better at, right? So yeah. I like to look at it as who's better at it in that way. Okay. And if we have to go against cultural norms in that way, like, oh, I can cook better. Okay. Well, yeah. Melanie is more detail oriented and make can make a more beautiful table or, or in piece or whatever with wood and saws than I can. Okay. I'm not going to be weird and butthurt about it, that. But then... Yeah. So we're, we're, we, we really kind of uh, go into those, I guess, biological norms, but are open and honest, like, hey, you do that better, do it. I don't care if it's yeah. you know, male or female kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know that was super long-winded. But. No, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to, like, it's my belief and perspective. And I think what you're saying here is, like, we're in a partnership. Like, uh, my marriage is a partnership. You know, there's things I don't want to do that Jody does. There's stuff that Jody knows that only I can do kind of similar to what you're saying, just being a man or being capable of certain things or being mm-hmm. better. I'm, I'm, I'm more better at certain things. So I should be the one accountable to do those things for the good of our marriage, you know, or right. and, and vice versa with her. Like I shouldn't be in there cooking the dinner. You know, I don't, I, you know, just time. I, I don't have the capacity to do the dinner. She does. That's how, that's our partnership. We have different areas of accountability and, you know, it's something, it, and, you know, it just drives me bananas, you know, cause I've seen these relationships where the guy's the boss, he's in charge. And, and I have a lot of empathy for, you know, I'll keep it traditional. Like the, the female in that relationship that is, is almost treated like property, like, you know, in, in, a, in a certain way or this hierarchy. And, and, and it came to, you know, and I'll probably get hate mail for this one, but it wasn't me. I'm just going to talk about the story here. Um, you know, I have, I got a group text with some friends and we're all married couples. And, you know, one of the guys, and look, it was a funny joke. I, let's be real. It was a funny joke. He says this joke. It was a picture. It said, you know, hey, if you can push a baby carriage, you can push the lawnmower. So help with the grass or something. It, it, look, it was funny. Yeah, I get it. it ha ha. You know, whatever. I don't condone it. But I did kind of call him out and I say, hey, man, like, like, hey, that's funny. So don't take me as a stiff here. Ha ha. But man, show some respect because I don't see you pushing a baby carriage, right? And taking care of them kids, it's a lot of work too, you know? Right. And to this point, right, there's cutting the grass, you know, around here at least. Like, I cut the grass. Joe didn't want to cut the grass, you know? Right. I enjoy yeah. it. She doesn't. I do it, you know? She takes care of the kids. She enjoys it. I love my kids, but she's better at nurturing them than I am because I am I can be a hard ass at a time. Like, stop crying, right. do some push-ups type of guy at times, right? right. Like, but, yeah. but they need nurture and that's what she's there for. So it's a partnership. I don't I don't respect this this mindset or mentality that the wife's not capable or she's, you know, it like treated like an employee, you know, of or and and that was my thing. It's like, hey, 
I'm keeping it all cool. I love all you guys, but remember it takes a king and queen to rule the kingdom, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It, it, that's, that's just, that's what's been the success in our marriage. I'll tell you that I got, I'm yeah. not telling Jody what to do. She's not telling me what to do. We're, we're in it together, you know? Yeah, mutually. exactly. And you hold each other accountable and yeah. you go, Hey, these things need to get done to create the, the kind of family house business lifestyle we want. Right. So we talk about this with coaching clients. What are, what is our shared vision? Okay. Like the shared vision, the collective vision of both of us. And then I'm better suited to do this. You're better suited to that. I'm going to be accountable to myself. I'm also accountable to you and our kids, right? To do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. If I happen to be better at it, okay, that's great. And there's something really rewarding in this. And I think a lot of people confuse this, but the times when I've done like super in, I don't know, maybe we'll get hate mail for this to like, you know, black and white everything. But the times when I've done super like masculine kind of aggro things, you know, whatever it is, like from hunting to punching a guy because he should have been punched to like chasing a coyote or something, I feel like alive. Does that make sense? You're like, hell yeah, this is awesome, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And and, and it, it, it feels amazing. And I don't want to do anything that like tamps that down you know, just because, oh, well, we want to be whatever kind of thing, you know, and I don't want to behave in a way that tamps down Melanie's innate kick-ass motherhood, nurturing like an awesome queen or like being super soft, like shame on us guys. If we do tamp that stuff down and shame on the women too, if you're like, if you're not letting your man or woman do that stuff and you're pushing them down, then what are you doing? You you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, really love like, the, the. Oh, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? Sorry. No, I, I really love the example that you you said your wife's name is Jody. That you and Jody have a partnership. You don't tell her what yeah. to do. You don't. She doesn't tell you. But you have an understanding and an accountability. Like this is how we want to make it work. Okay, let's do it. Kind of thing. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's just that analogy, like a, a partnership. I would say like her, her grandparents, I want to say they're married like 40, 50 years. They've both since passed. But I remember when we got married, like Jody and I got married at, at 18, 19 years old. Number one. Oh, wow. um, we got married young, uh, high school sweethearts, all that jazz. So I would say like the odds were against us to make it, let's say, you know, we got married fresh out of high school. I was in the Marine Corps. So we had a, a long distance relationship for a minute, you know, um, and I remember one of the things that we learned, her grandmother told us when we got married, she's just, and, and to your point, kudos to you for calling it out. She's just like, communicate, 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 like, like communicate. Mm-hmm. And, and so to the analogy of a, of, of a partnership, um, like you can, even in business, right? Could you imagine like you're 50, 50 partners in a business and you don't effectively communicate with them, right? right. Like, that business isn't going to work, man. Like it's, it's hmm. not going to work. And it, it, so there's no difference here, you know, um, in, from the regard, regard of, uh, leadership and, and, you know, doing what needs to be done from taking a responsibility and, and leading together, you know, similarly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think when couples can get to that realization, then that's when we really start going, oh, okay, we're running. It's like a business, you know, like, you know, 50-50 partner, like, yep, we're on the same page. You know, things are going good. We're rolling when things come up. We talk about them quickly. We share expectations to make sure that we're on the same shooting towards the same target kind of thing. And when, when couples can begin to do that, it literally opens up like, 
I didn't know marriage could be this way. Yeah. This is wild, oh, yeah. you know? And sometimes yeah. then we have upper limit problems of like, oh, you know, how good is too good? And is this too good? Which we, you know, you can talk about self-sabotage or something like that. But the yeah. couples, and I th- believe me and Melanie are here because um, we do a lot of work on it. But the couples who are like in constant communication, like, okay, checking in, talking about this, sharing expectations, resolving conflict when it comes up in a healthy way, that's when things really start to get cooking. And it's, yeah. a, it's a good place to be. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And I think it, it, this call, I wouldn't uh, be satisfied if I didn't mention like that book, The Five Love Languages. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're familiar with that. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. that was a great one for me to bring awareness to how I could be better in the marriage, right? And just kind of go on through and and understanding that it's been a while since I read it. So it'd be a hard, hard time for me to quote it. But 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 Jody and I went through that. Just I found the book or heard it and read it. I said, "Hey, read this." And and then we kind of came back. I was like, "So, what was your love language?" And and hers was was quality time. I I know that. And that awareness now, I make sure I'm intentional about that. That that's what she needs, and and in our partnership, that's what she needs of me, you know, especially, and that's a big part of our lives now. Like we yeah. we're every morning, like she's a 4am, you know, riser like me, our first hour of the day is having coffee together. Right right now we're doing 75 hard together. So mm-hmm. our first hour of the day is a coffee walk, you know, like we used yeah. to just get up, have sit there and talk and communicate, you know, and, 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 and talk for an hour. And then we turn to, I would start reading. She'd go to the gym, but now we, um, uh, we walk together, right? Like, like we make sure, like that's a part of our routine. It's a part of our system that that quality time is there, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, a good, good, you know, like say uh, increased awareness for me to make our, make our marriage better. Yeah. Yeah. The, the five love there. languages is, is really good. One of the things that couples get in trouble with though, is we give love the way that we want to receive love. Sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And we're like, yep. what's going on? Hey, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm doing all this stuff. But that's how you want to receive love. So I just encourage people to be really aware of that. Is like, just because I like physical touch does not mean that Melanie is going to like physical touch all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, right? I have my own thing and I need to serve her and love her the way that she feels love and feels service in that way. And then she'll yeah. return that for me too. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good one. Yeah, the um, the, that's just one I know. I, I like my the married couples I care about. Like, hey, have you ever read Five Love Languages? Like, check it out. Um, yeah. you know, another thing I think is worth talking about is you know those people who aren't married yet. You know, they're thinking about getting married, or they would like mm-hmm. to get married someday, or they're in a relationship and they're thinking about marriage. Like, what would be your advice to them to know when they're with the right person or it's the right time? You know. What, what yeah. would be some advice yeah. there? That that's a great question because a, a lot of we get a lot of emails about this. Is like, oh, when when do I know when this is the thing? And I give the analogy of there was no right time to have a baby, right? I mean, you guys have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And of course, you can be wise about it. I'm not going to be, you know, like an 18 year old without a job and go, hey, I want a kid. That'll make things better. No, that's just not being smart <laughs> yeah. about it. But when you're, you know, a committed couple, you've been together for a while and you have jobs and you can support you know, a kid that you make, there seemingly was no, there's a smart time, but there's not a right time. Like, oh, how, yeah, I like will, I, how will I know if I'm ready? It's like, well, the truth is, I don't think that you will be, but you can be super smart about it. But going to the, the single folks who aren't in relationships right now, or who are, you know, contemplating getting married or whatnot. First, you have to really know what you want, right? It, it always goes back to what are you doing? How are you showing up? And 
I was talking, you know, to you about the in this and the pre-show stuff. I actually made a list of uh, co- it was more of a compatibility list, not like okay, this lady has to be, you know, five three, you know, these dimensions or whatever like that. It wasn't a superficial list. It was a real list because I'd done the work and I knew myself. I'm like, hey, Seth, you would benefit and could contribute uh, in a marriage, in a relationship with another person who had these specific qualities or kind of background thing. And like I knew because I, you know, I've uh, did undergrad stuff and then also did graduate studies. I knew that I wanted to be with someone who, you know, could have a conversation about, you know, well-read things. You know, I was like, okay, that's a compatibility thing. Um, For me, it's like, okay, they have to be growth mindset, growth uh, mindset oriented and future oriented because I know I wasn't just going to sit around and be a stick in the mud and not, create things and try things, you know? So I had to partner with someone who was like-minded in that way. So I literally created a list. I think it had like five bullet points or something, or maybe it had seven. I think two of them were like, ah, that's not as important as I thought it was. And knew that I wasn't going to like dive into a partnership uh, with Melly if, if these things just weren't there, because I was like, you know, I dated this chick for five years prior to that and had other girlfriends. I was like, I don't want to mess around anymore. You know, I'm just like, Let's 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 pull this trigger. Let's burn this boat. We're gonna take this island, right? But I did it in a smart way. So I would encourage folks to be like, okay, take an hour, take you know a couple of days, and really formulate a list. Who would you partner? Who would you pair well with? You know, not someone who likes exactly what you like, right? Because there there is this aspect of opposites attract. And I'll tell you, some of the best, most difficult meaningful lessons that I've learned just about life and myself in general have come from being married. It's like, man, the crucible of marriage is like, if you're open to it, you will learn things. You'd be like, hate your life for a while. Even like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. But if you're open-minded and growth oriented, you're going to come out on the other side, uh, a better person, right? A more, a more complete person. So again, it goes back to, to ownership. Um, know who you are, know who you would pair well with, know where you got in trouble in the past. Like, I mean, cause we've all probably been in relationships where like, yeah, that was not good. We were just there for like a good time kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, be real with yourself in that. Like, okay, why, why am I here? How can I help her or him be the best person they can be also? Because it's not just a list of like how this person can serve me and meet my needs and all that stuff. Oh, she has to have, or he has to have this, this, this. No. What's, uh, so we attract what we put out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and there's a million different sayings like that. Like, uh, um, um, we endure what we allow. So if I, if I allow like, you know, laziness or not self-discipline in my own life, then I'll probably pair with someone who also, you know, doesn't have those uh, goals for themselves. Right. So, um, first get yourself right. And then you're going to attract people who are also getting themselves right. 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 You're going to meet up and that synergy and that uh, synchronicity will happen and you'll know. But as far as like, yeah, have all these things in order, then you know that in my experience just doesn't exist. I don't know about you, but no, not, not so far, not so far. Yeah. Now I I love the way you worded it. And while you're talking, so the other way I've heard the thing that you were last describing was uh, uh, if you, if you, if you want to 10, you got to be a 10, right? Ah, to, perfect. To, yep. Which, which I thought that was cool. That was a new, to, new one to me. But, um, I think the other thing you reminded me of while you're talking was, um, you know, back to Jordan Peterson on, 
you know, something I remember him saying about you, you know, your ideal partner. He's like, you know, you want a partner who will side with your potential is how he worded it, right? So mm-hmm. you want someone that is going to side with what you can be, not just tolerant of what you are right now, right? Like, like you know, like if, if you're an alcoholic, you don't want a partner that's another alcoholic and it's, you know, you want someone who's going to go, hey, you're better than this. Like, and, and you know, they're, they're siding with your potential, right? Of who, right. Who, who, who the best version of you, I guess, is. Um, and I thought that was really powerful. Like, because, you know, and again, I would encourage people, you know, Beyond Order, I think it's chapter 10, probably one of the best things I've read about marriage that I can relate to from my experience, but it really digs into things like that. But, but I thought that was a really uh, powerful thing where it just talked about, you don't want to just be accepting, like you want someone, you know, just accept the mediocrity and like, you want someone who's going to challenge you to be that best version of you, that, that, that they're siding with your potential and there's never going to be yeah. anyone that's perfect. Right. Like, you know, and I think it was funny, like, I think he worded it in such a way. It's like, the reality is if you found that perfect person, they're going to run from you screaming yeah, because, because exactly. of what you are. It was, it was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, you know, and, and it was just, and, and he just kind of talked about your growth together and, and, you know, becoming one truly, it, it, it's yeah. really great the way he, he brings some value to, to the success yeah. of a marriage. That, that's awesome. And, and yeah, if, if you want a 10, you got to be a 10. If you found like a nine or 10 out there and you're a two, there is, <laughs> yeah. there's just, there's literally no way that that's going to happen because nines and tens aren't looking for twos, right? Sure. You know, it's like we, sure. we are the sum of the uh, five people we hang out with the most, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that nine and 10 are hanging out with other eight, nines and tens. And if, right? she, if they're down for you, you better start asking some questions like why there's, there's right. no story you don't know. And they're, about. <laughs> they're in trouble, right? They're in a real slump or something kind of thing. <laughs> but that can be depressing. Um, if we look at it in that way, or it can be one of the most inspiring things ever. Like, Yeah what am I doing that got me to a two? What do nines and tens do? Let me do that. You know, and if it takes a couple of months, if it takes a year, I mean, you know, oftentimes it, you know, takes that realization for us to change. And then it's just a maintenance thing because, uh, the saying, you know, what got you here won't get you there. So it's always like, you have to do more. You know, I just finished 75 hard, uh, for the second time. Well, once I completed in 2020, and then finished 75 hard uh, in 2021, just, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago or so. And what I was doing at, you know, day 74, I was going to have to do a little bit more on day 75 because it's really hard, you know? And if I want to do that again, I'm going to have to get in the mindset and the planning and the mode of like, okay, I'm gearing up to do it again because what got me there, I mean, it was really different. Doing it a second time was... It had, it had a different effect and it was almost like, oh man, this is even more difficult because you feel all the same emotions and it's just like, okay, I'm putting in the hours, putting in the hours, putting in the hours and kind of, it was boring almost, you know, just like, okay, sure. up again at a, you know, before the sun comes up and doing the same thing, <laughs> eating the same thing. Um, but yeah, the idea, and this is, this goes to even, even folks who are in, uh, this can go two ways in bad relationships. What got you here in this bad relationship right now will, will not get you to a good, healthy relationship, right? Yeah. Um, if you're in a healthy relationship, what got you here won't get you there because you've already passed that threshold. It's like a mountain. It's like, Oh, I can look five steps back and five steps ago was pretty awesome. It was a hell of a lot better than 30 steps ago. 
But what me got what got me there is not going to be five steps forward because the terrain is different, my muscles are sore, whatever it is. You know, a lot of physical analogies, of course. Um, so I'm going to have to step it up and go. All right, I'm going to do what I need to do to, like you said, you know, when you're in the Marines. Okay, just one more day, one yeah. more day. Let's go, let's go. Yeah. Now I love it. That's awesome. The um, so to round this thing out, man, you know, to tons of gold here. So I, I, people who listen to this are going to get a lot of value out of it. But let's let's round it all out. You know, if you had someone that you cared about that came to you, and someone that you wanted to make sure their marriage was successful, as you do with all your clients, I know. Um, and they asked you, you know, what's the what's the what's the one thing that you would tell them that that makes marriage successful? What would you mm. say? I would say. A healthy marriage starts with a healthy you. And that means if you want to attend marriage, you got to be willing to look at ways that you have been showing up not as a 10. You know, you've been complacent here. You've gotten butthurt here kind of thing. So if you want to attend marriage, you got to be a 10 partner kind of thing. And uh, because a lot of our potential clients come to us and go, oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. Look at it's their fault, right? But the first thing we do is like, what have you been contributing to this? Let's sure. look at that. And then we're going to start there for both of you and then start pushing, pushing forward. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, things didn't change for Melanie and I until we did that. Things don't change for our, our, our coaching clients until they do that. And all the books that I read, all that I've been gravitated are saying the same thing, just that wisdom. If you want something, you got to look at yourself and not outside of yourself to get there. Now, of course, we can Absolutely. get help and stuff like that. But yeah, that's the one thing I would say. Like going back, I'm just going to steal. I'm just you're going to hear that saying a lot. If you want a 10, be a 10. If you want a 10 marriage, <laughs> be a 10 partner. Yeah, awesome. I love it. So, you know, if uh, someone's interested in the services, how do they find you? Uh, how do you find a podcast? All, all the, how, how, do we, how do we work with you? Yeah. So if folks want to find us, uh, connect us on social media. Uh, it's on Instagram, Anatomy of Marriage, Facebook, Anatomy of Marriage. We have several uh, groups on Facebook. Our website is the studleys.com, S-T-U-D-L-E-Y-S.com. Email me if you have any questions, anything like that. Like, Seth, you're full of crap there. Or like, tell me more about coaching. I want to know. I want some of what you guys got. Email me directly, coaching at anatomyofmarriage.com. I'll give you my cell. We'll hop on a discovery call. We'll serve you. We'll try to do the best we can to help you out. Awesome. Awesome. I love it, man. Hey, powerful session, dude. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, man. A ton, man. This is this is one of my favorites so far, dude. This has been great. Awesome. Yeah, keep on doing it. I love what you do. I'm so glad our, our mutual friend connected us. And yeah, love it, man. We're in the same space and it's good to be here. Same, same. All right, man. I well, thank you. Till next time. We'll do it again. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you.